I had just got back from a trip in the UK. Cosgrove had just got back from a trip to Prague. We meet at a pub in Montpellier, and he breaks the news to me. And we're both juiced up. Not that we're not playing ball, but like, <laughs> so we get a week, we get like eight days to do what we want to do. And we immediately go to the phones and we're like, all right, where we're we going. And Ryanair, 13 year old flight to Lisbon or Porto? Porto. No, uh, Porto, Porto. And we're like, perfect. We'll go to Lisbon after that. Then we went to Sevilla and we were like, let's just fly by the seat of our pants and see what happens. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Hey, it's David Burns from Baseball Jobs Overseas, and this is our podcast where myself and Jimmy Jensen interview players and coaches that are traveling the world, whether it be for baseball or softball, and we try to extract information about their experience, not only so you could live vicariously through their experience, but also so you can gain information in case you're looking to take your career overseas as well. We also like to interview influential international baseball and softball people from around the world or anyone that just has a very interesting international baseball or softball story. So without further ado, let's get on with today's episode. What would be your approach to a baseball career overseas? Would you try to play at the highest level possible while still holding out hope for an affiliated contract? Or would you use your skill on the ball field to explore other countries and simply enjoy the import baseball player lifestyle? For our two guests today, it was the latter. So it's a pretty cool story. We hope you tune in to this episode with Patrick Cromwell and Andy Cosgrove. I'm in a Starbucks, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matt, so who's you're unemployed now, Cromie, or what? I uh, I quit my job on Thursday, but I start a new one uh, J- June 1st. So I'm crushing my unemployment for the next couple of weeks before I start the new gig. Did, did you quit because they made you miss last week's podcast? Yeah, that's what it was. I said, this yeah. is more important than my job. And I said, no, nope, the job's more important than the podcast. And I said, you know what? I'm done at the end of the week. See you guys. <laughs> Made it way easier to schedule this too. I talked to, talk to Patrick multiple days a week and I somehow had no idea that he his job. <laughs> <laughs> are the Globetrotters playing in Finkston Ball? Sure are. You want to make it out? I already got a call from the ex-presidents. Oh, yeah? They said... What do I have to do to get you out to Fingston Ball at the end of the month? And it would have worked perfect because I'm I'm not working. I could have gone out there, but I'm flying out to Phoenix next Tuesday to help my girlfriend pack, and then she's moving to Dallas. Yeah, actually linking up with Cosgrove there. Oh yeah, I will I will be seeing uh, Patty Crom for Memorial yeah. Day weekend. Uh, Bender, you got Memorial Day Bender plans. incoming. Frog baseball week. Frog baseball week. I also had a time. <laughs> Frog baseball week's a riot every year, no matter what. Cause you're you're one and only Frog baseball week. We were the worst team in the world. That yeah, was we, we that was stuck bad. on ice. That was rough. We scored one run the entire tournament. It felt like last year was a good time. Last year we kind of turned the page a little bit. Made it a yeah. little more about. I mean, boys still had a good time for sure, but 
took took the baseball a little bit more seriously and we came to play. Yeah, yeah. But next year it's going to get even better. Apparently uh the Japan U23 team is coming. Oh, oh. shoot. Cuz you know Czech did really well in Tokyo. They made a lot of good connections there during the World Baseball Classic. So now uh Japan wants to send a team over. This year they're having a team from Australia come up from New South Wales. Whoa. Should be fun. Yeah. Dude, the U23 team, Japan U23 is going to be disgusting because all their pitchers oh, are throwing. Yeah, them. I would imagine they're, they're going to be good. They're blowing 98 and they're all 20. <laughs> yeah. uh, we got an invite potentially down to Buenos Aires to play against the Argentinian national team, Brazilian national team, Chilean national team. When would that be if you went down to Argentina? I think it's October 9th through 15th. And then they'll provide a hotel and and meals um for so us just get so. down there cosgrove we just got to get down there yeah yeah fire it up brother i better get back in the cage <laughs> <laughs> i don't I know you might be on love island by that point though oh that's true uh, i i would have been i would have been done by that point i'll be i'll be already filmed and and out of spain uh, do we have an update on love island yeah, last update they had me do the uh, uh, couple days ago. They sent me over uh, the link to do the police checks because they're just doing police checks on the people that they're going to meet in person. So it's narrowed down to the people that they're doing in person interviews with in Australia and me <laughs> as the only. Are they flying someone out to you? No, no. I did a I did a Zoom call with the producers, and they're taking that, cutting like chopping, cutting it up, and then. And then I have to I have to take some fucking pictures today. Like they're like they're like we need some like basic headshots of you like with the plain background. They're like some with your shirt, some without the shirt, shit like that. Yeah, you you probably have a photo album of those already. So you said yeah, I, I got these on deck. I don't, but I might just swing by some random studio today and say hey, what's up? <laughs> so, so for all of our listeners that don't know, uh, Cosgrove got an invite potentially to a uh, Love Island reality show. Um, <laughs> in the Australian version of it. He was he was in Australia for six months, and the country fell in love with him. Amazing. I, I heard the American accent kills down there. Ah, uh, it definitely it definitely plays. Um, some some girls really love it. I said, you know what the uh, what I found out the Australian women like is they just like they just like men. Like you can't you can't be you can't be like zesty or anything like that. You got to be fucking just a man. You know what I mean? Like I mean it's I, it's in their DNA. The country is formed from convicts from England, right? So yeah, they yeah. just they know nothing but manly men. Yeah, you get the the tradies, the tradies out there just absolutely putting up numbers just because they're <laughs> they got big forearms, sweet muzzies, and you know they just they just get after it. Two days. Yeah, exactly. But they're they're the ones they're the ones doing it really though. <laughs> Jimmy, take it take it back to the college days. Let's start there. I mean, both of you guys are uh, JUCO guys, JUCO, but California JUCO guys. Um. I'm also a JUCO guy myself, you know, played at Chabot um, and that shit's a, that shit's a grind, but like it creates some competitors and I'm sure it was down in SoCal too. So Cromwell, I'll start off with you. You grew up in Costa Mesa. Is that where you're at right now too? No, I'm in Dallas now, but yeah, I grew up in Costa in Mesa. Dallas. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you played JUCO ball at Santa Ana, right? Yeah. So went Santa Ana college for two years. 
Yep. Didn't have a great freshman year. Got like opportunity to play and start, but kind of worked my way out of the position. Yeah. Um, but was fortunate enough to go play summer ball up in Alaska after my freshman year. My JUCO coach had played up there, and I think he had coached up there for a little bit too. So he made the connection, which was huge. So that transition from freshman spring to sophomore fall in yeah. Alaska was huge. Cosgrove also played in Alaska, actually. Um, because yeah. I'm up there seeing 87 to 92 every game. And then I show up to the fall at Santa Ana. And guys are throwing 85 mile hour batting practice. So my confidence, <laughs> my confidence is through the roof. And that just carried over into the spring. Um, got off to an insane start to the season. I think I had like four home runs in three games, something stupid. And then like phone just wouldn't stop ringing. Uh, and then landed on Clemson. That was, I knew as soon as they came out to watch and offered that that's where I was going to go. Always wanted to go. Outside of California, yeah. want to go to like a bigger school, preferably with a football team, just because that's a bit more of an exciting college experience. Yeah. Um, and then Clemson baseball tradition is nuts, um, and it was just the perfect opportunity for me as where I wanted to go. So, did that. Uh, kind of reverted back to what happened at Santa Ana. I started off the season as a starting mm-hmm. third baseman my junior year. Worked my way out of the position. Uh, just kind of struggled a little bit with getting comfortable at the plate. Uh, there was a bit of a step up competition-wise, but it wasn't that much. I played in the Northwoods League the summer before. Yeah, Clemson. what club were you with in the Northwoods? I was there too. The Wisconsin Rapids Rafters. Ah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, so we actually won the whole thing. Uh, the team was really good, so that was a good time. I, we had to leave early, though, because that season – goes on way too long um, so was fun, though. prepared going into Clemson but just couldn't get comfortable with the dish um, worked my way out of the lineup and then would get spot starts every now and then come in as a defensive replacement um, then just mentally like my mind switched that summer going into my senior year I thought hey if this is where the road ends this is where the road ends but I'm just gonna go out with a bang have fun enjoy it and do my best to work my way into the lineup and try to make some memories and just kind of rode the wave, like worked hard, did my thing. I knew I was going to have to kind of beat someone out for a position rather than having a position locked in for me. Um, Then once I got my opportunity, made the most of it and kind of stuck in the lineup for the rest of the year. Um, After that played well, like I had a good college career at Clemson, nothing insane, but I thought it was enough to, to where there was this chance I'd get picked up, signed as a free agent, but wasn't in the cards for me, which was fine. Um, and then I reached out to y'all maybe June, I think June or July. Um, it wasn't my agent, but it was my buddy's agent. Uh, we talked and he said, you should try to, uh, go play in Australia or Europe. Uh, there's a website called baseball jobs overseas and that's what they do. They send guys overseas. So made my account y'all made my account for me, whatever it was. And then two days later, a team from Australia, Swans district, black ducks reached out, asked if I wanted to play. I said, yeah, I'm in, let's do it. And then a couple months later, (laughs) boom, I was in Australia. Uh, Didn't go back to the States for over a year. I think 13 months I was gone because I went straight to Germany after that to go play in Europe. Um, And then went back home 
Cosgrove and I wanted to play together. And so we were signed with the Montpellier Barracudas for the 2020 season. COVID happened, which was so brutal. Yeah. We were just like, get us to the, get us to the continent, like get us there before travel gets shut down. Hindsight. Good thing that didn't happen because the lockdowns in Europe were 20 times worse than what they were in the States. Yeah. Uh, and then I thought I was done playing after that. It was like, there's no way I'm going to wait another year to play. And then Cosgrove was like, dude, you can't go out like this. Like you can't let COVID ruin the career and end the career. So the Barracudas wanted us to come back for 2021. And that's what we decided to do. Um, and it was still kind of up in the air at that point, if they were going to have a season. Yeah, so Cos was in Prague, he got a contract with the Eagles and we had to get creative on getting him out of that contract. <laughs> so he yeah. uh, Montpellier it was a bit of a mess. Dude, I, ended up, I, I ended up talking about like, yeah, I ended up, I think it was about like, what is that? 800, about $1,600 out of pocket. I forfeited because I forfeited the, the flight over there was 800 that they were going to reimburse me for. And then $400 a month for the first two months. And I said, I'll forfeit my pay and you don't have to pay me back for my ticket. If I can go to Montpellier. And they wow. said, all right, fine. Yeah. It's your boy. And I'm sure they didn't yeah. even want to do that either. They probably would no. have rather have paid you to keep you. No, oh, no really, I had messages. Everything. Yeah. I had messages to the coach and I was like, cause they wanted me to go to Prague. They're like, yeah, why don't yeah. you come to Prague? I remember. And I was like, this is my last season playing baseball. I, it was genuine, but I like had to give him a sob story. It was like, this is my last season playing ball. Cosgrove and I had, had this planned out for 18 months. I want to be in Montpellier. Like, sorry, I'm not going to budge. I think yeah. they offered to pay me a decent bit too, possibly. But I was like, hey, like this is what I'm doing. And... I think I even said if if Cosgrove doesn't come here, I'm my baseball career is over. So they're only going to take they're taking both of us, not just one of us. Um, and yeah, Cos Cos bar, bartered the deal and made it possible for us to go play in Montpellier. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, not a quick synopsis of my baseball career in college and overseas, but that's All pretty right. much how it went down. We'll go into a little bit more depth with both of you guys, like on the overseas aspect of it. But before we do that, I'll head over to Cosgrove here. Uh, we'll go through his background a little bit where he played. So you grew up in Seattle uh, and then you went you actually redshirted at the University of Washington. So, like, did you get recruited there out of high school? Yeah. So I was uh, I had a bunch of walk on spots to different colleges, different D1s. Um, couldn't find any that I liked. But UW wasn't on that list yet. Um, and so I committed to a Juco in the Bay area, San Mateo. Ah, um, yeah. So I was committed there. Oh, was it? Yeah. They were good. Okay. Yeah. They had a good team. Yeah. Uh, so I was committed there and then, you know, I graduated high school that June, so middle of June, my senior year, obviously I graduate. And then like early July, UW was, uh, they had a guy transfer, a senior catcher transfer. And they were out watching games in the Seattle area where I was playing summer ball. And basically he called me up one day. They were like, Hey, we think we have a spot. If you're interested, uh, do you want to come on a little visit? So I rolled down there, you know, they rolled it all out for me. Uh, sounded like a good deal. Um, 
I was supposed to be one of three catchers on the roster, including a junior who was going to be a top three rounder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a Juco guy who was coming in. So it was just three of us. So I was like, man, I got a, I got a good chance to be the backup catcher as a freshman in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah. Uh, so I went. Um, unfortunately, a buddy of mine was supposed to go to Oregon. He got his scholarship pulled at the last second. UW had an extra spot. They picked him up. He comes into UW. Uh, he gets the junior catcher who's supposed to be really good, gets hurt in the game six. The other freshman catcher beats me out for that spot. And the other freshman starts 45 games as a freshman. Uh, and so basically I go back. I didn't play. I got my red shirt burned for playing three ga- three innings against USC on a Sunday rubber match. Oh, that's rough. So I get my, yeah, get my red shirt burned. And then I uh, come back my sophomore year, tore it up in the fall, actually played really well. But coach already already kind of made his mind up. Joey was going to start. Joey Morgan was the other catcher. So I left at winter break my sophomore year. So I was at UW for a year and a half, essentially. Okay. And then and he basically told me, he's like, listen, you're going to be a backup. Sorry. Uh, and so they actually helped me get in touch with some guys down in California because I wanted to go to California. Decided on Santa Barbara City College. It's a good spot. Uh, Santa Barbara's awesome. Yeah, yeah it was uh, – it was a good thing I was only there for six months. <laughs> it was a trouble. <laughs> it was a troublesome area down there. I'll tell you what. So did you just did you go there just for the spring? Like so, you spent the yeah. fall with UW, and then you went down for the spring just for the season. Yeah, went down for the spring. Uh, had to stay an extra month and a half after the season because um, I had to get my associates to go four two four. Yeah. So because I was at the four year and went back to the JUCO after, you have to get your associates to bounce back to the four year. Okay. So I took a, a little quarter of summer school for like, uh, it's just one extra class I had to take. And then that right after that is when I uh, got the call to go up to Alaska, like Patty was saying, mm-hmm. um, went up to Alaska. And that was right after I had committed uh, to NC State. Um, nice. Yeah, it was cool. And then uh, went over to NC State, um, played that year, played well. Uh, and then yeah, got drafted after that. Okay. Okay. So then how long, and you got drafted by the twins, right? Twins. Yeah. Twins in the 17th round of 2017. And how long, how long are you at the twins organization? So I got drafted in June went and played that short season after the draft. Got the, went back to spring training next year, played that full season. Went back to spring training next year with the whole spring training and then got released on the day, uh, the last day of spring training of, I guess, what would be the third year. And then did you go straight to the Frontier League from there? Yep, straight to the Frontier League. So the, the my coach in the Frontier League, I guess, on the last day of spring training gets on and can check all the roster uh, releases and everything like that. So. I got released at 7 a.m. on the last day of spring training, packed up my bags and was on the road heading back to North Carolina by nine. I was like, I'm getting the I'm getting the fuck out of here. And then started driving home. And by 11 o'clock, I had a call on my cell phone from uh, the Southern Illinois Miners in the Frontier League. And so headed out there about a month, like three weeks, a month later, and then played that season there. And then overseas right. became the thing. So, like, uh, when did you first hear about go, um, the, the opportunity to go play overseas? Yeah, so I um, I played that year of indie ball and actually played really well. I made the all-star team for the Frontier League, started at catcher for the all-star team, so it was great. 
uh, thought I was going to get picked up multiple times through a third of the season. I was leading the league and hitting, and I thought I was probably the best defensive guy there. So I was like, I for sure got to get picked up and it just never happened. And so by the end of the last third of the season, I thought I was done with baseball. I was like, I want to quit, but I'm going to stick it out because I'm, I'm sick of this. I'm, you know, I was just kind of beat down by not getting picked up when I thought I was going to, and after getting released and all that. And so I actually started talking to, uh, my buddy towards the end of the season. Uh, I was just saying, I was like, yeah, I'm done with baseball. I just want to travel. All I want to do is travel. Um, and that guy's name is, uh, Chris Williams, who was Patty's roommate at Clemson. And him and I met in the twins organization. So we became good friends in the twins org. Patty and him were college roommates. So when I'm telling him I want to travel, but I'm done with baseball, he was like, Hey, listen, one of my best friends from college is actually in, he just played in Australia. He's over in Germany playing right now. You should, you should talk to him and see if that's something you'd be interested in. And I had never heard of baseball in Europe. And so he put us in contact. Uh, Patty was kind of, you know, showing me the ropes, telling me which teams would be fun to play for, what it's like, gave me the whole rundown. And then over like a couple months of talking, Patty and I kind of like, we're like, okay, we seem like similar guys seem like we get along really well. Let's try and find a team to play with, uh, together. And then that's when we signed the contract with, uh, Montpelier. That's cool. Not easy to do too, as not, neither of you are pitchers and, and usually like signing as a duo, like they, they're looking for a pitcher and a position guy, but <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That so, was tough, but we, we had it down. We were like, all right, location wise, where do we want to be? competition wise where do we want to be then we need to find a team that will take a shortstop and a catcher and we got to find a league where they allow more than two imports so like we had to play a little tetris with figuring out where we could play and montpellier was just like the perfect place yeah like the team was good they compete for a championship every year um the head coach joe michelle he gets it like we're there kind of for an experience as well so we didn't miss many practices, but like there were a few that we did miss because we went and traveled on the weekend if we had like a buy or something like that. So the Montpellier mm -hmm. uh, situation was perfect for us. It was exactly like what we were looking for. Yeah, that'd be one of my top picks too, just from a location standpoint. Like when I first started with started doing baseball jobs over jobs overseas years ago, and where I'm adding teams to the to the website. Um, and I'm starting to look at all these potential places where guys could go. And Montpellier just was one of those ones that stood out as like a pretty cool experience, beach, beach front yeah. destination, right? Yeah. And pretty like centrally located in Europe, I would say. We would fly out of Marseille um, or bus or tra train. We did it all. Um, and Marseille was relatively close to Montpellier. Also, Barcelona wasn't too far away either. So sometimes we'd fly out of there. Um, yeah. So it worked out perfect. Yeah. And so one of the things that I was always impressed by the two of you is to come from the backgrounds that you did playing in front of thousands of people. And then next thing you know, like, especially you, Chroma, you ended up in like a bottom team in Germany at one point. Like, yeah, like we don't need to go into detail, but I mean, like you're but you kept the cool like you guys had the right frame of mind of what this is about and and so you, you you know you didn't big league any teams or anything you just went over and you're like all right i'm gonna you know you you looked at the whole the whole the big picture and, and then the whole experience so um but we're, how was that was there was there an adjustment period or did you just kind of come in already knowing what you're signing up for and and yeah, how did you approach that yeah i think 
I knew I I was done playing like uh, I don't want to say competitively, but like at the American professional level, like I didn't want to do indie ball. And the only way for me to get signed by an affiliated team was to go through indie ball. And I didn't want to do that. I was content with doing the overseas, even though it was a slight step down competition wise. So definitely check the ego at the terminal at LAX before I went to Australia. And I just kind of went in there, like going with the flow. Like I was still in really good baseball shape, like four, four months prior. You know, we were playing against Vanderbilt in the regional, and now we're going to play in Western Australia. So I knew it like it was going to be a little <laughs> bit different. Um, and I think starting off in Australia was a good segue into Europe because Europe's a, a bit of a step up from like the actual professional standpoint than Australia. Talent's very similar, but it's much more structured in Europe. Um, so starting Australia was great because it kind of made me realize what the expectations were of what I was getting myself into. And I always went there like, Hey, this is going to be fun. Like I'm going to play ball and have a good time, but this is an experience. And you get like, I think there are three different kinds of guys that play overseas. There's one kind where it's, they love ball. They want to keep playing and get picked up by an indie ball team and maybe play affiliated. Then there's Cosgrove and I, Hey, we kind of did it. We're, just sailing off into the sunset in the greatest way possible. Still love playing ball, but we're going to travel and we're going to make the most of it because I don't know when I'm going to get back to Europe and Australia. Like I got people trying to bug me, Hey, let's plan out a Europe trip. And it's kind of tough with work now. Um, And then there's the third group, which is the greatest group. And it's the guys that just, they just have nothing else to do, but keep chasing the sun. And they go from (laughs) Australia to Europe to Australia, Europe until they're, until they get cut, honestly. Until they're like, "Hey, man, like you can't, you can't keep playing anymore." And was that tempting um, so for you at all to do that? No, um, I've I'm pretty like I'm pretty focused on my career now, uh, work wise, and I didn't want to be 29, 30, and everyone's different. This is just me. I didn't want to be 29, 30, getting into an entry level position work wise because right. I feel like your your clock is kind of ticking at that point um so i knew it was going to be about two years for me um covid threw a wrench in it and i said i'll go another year it's you know no sweat on that um it's very tempting like when you go out there you just have a blast for six months um so i definitely thought about it but it it was never going to happen for me i kind of put the little timeline on myself that that's how long i was gonna um play and Cosgrove, yeah. you were saying how like you were a little sick of the politics and getting a little burnt out on the professional side of baseball. Like, so when you when you went overseas, like, was how was that experience? Like, was it kind of like a refreshing in a way, just seeing these guys that work all day and show up and and you know play double headers on the weekends and you know try to manage their their lives and still play baseball and they play with like a passion at that grassroots level. Yeah. So, so my biggest problem with, uh, with pro ball was I went from college. So I'm just like, I mean, like most of us, I'm uber competitive, like just like really, really competitive. And I wasn't actually ever like as talented as the guys that I played with in college ball. Like there was guys that were just way better than me. I got arm strength, you know, that was my tool. But in terms of like all over talent wise, I wasn't as good as a lot of guys, but in college, when I got to NC state, 
I just wanted to win so bad that I competed above my talent level. You know, so I decided to to take the when I got drafted as a junior, I actually wanted to go back, but I put together a good enough year in the ACC where when I got the call, I was like, I don't know if I can repeat that. <laughs> like I hit 333 in ACC play. And I was like, I, to be honest, I don't know if I'm actually that good. I think I just went into compete mode and ended up putting up decent numbers. And so when I got to pro ball, uh, no one really gives a shit about winning. And that's really where it got me screwed up because I was just like, I'm sitting here playing this game and it's all yeah. based off, you know, who puts up numbers and who's, you know, does this and throws this hard. And, um, and again, it's not, it was no one's fault. It's not like I'm saying, oh, I got fucked over, screwed over, blah, blah, blah. It was that I got bunched up with a bunch of guys who were simply more talented than I was. And when I couldn't flip that compete switch on me, uh, you know, I just, I didn't have the mental strength to go out in front of 17 fans at the time mm -hmm. in, in the Appalachian mountains in Tennessee and go play a meaningless game. Uh, I just wasn't good enough. You know, as you see, and we played the Rays all the time. And it's like every reliever from the Rays is 94, 96 with sink and a slider. It's like, I can't, I can't hit 330 off that. So yeah, when I got to Europe, it was, it was great. Cause it was like, all those guys are just there to win. It's like, they're there to have fun and win. That was, that's the only point. There's no politics. There's no money behind it. Um, you're playing cause you want to play and because you want to win. And so I think that's why I kind of like got back and started playing better again and enjoyed my time. Cause it was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not really playing for a stat line because I'm not trying to get picked up anymore. I'm playing just to be, you know, I'm out there to have a good experience I'm playing just to put up numbers for my team so that the team wins. Um, so that was huge. And then the other thing that helped out was I got to Europe and all of a sudden, I remember I showed up in Prague. Was That was the first stop after COVID. So I showed up in Prague. And uh, I get there. I fly in on a, a Wednesday. And I told my coach, I was like, hey, yeah, obviously I'm a catcher. My whole pro career, all I did was catch. But I was like, but I can play a little bit of the left side of the infield as like a fill-in guy if you need me. And then I come back for And he's like, yeah, okay. I come back for Thursday practice. And he goes, hey, I thought about what you said yesterday. I was like, I didn't even, didn't even register it. He goes, about you playing the left side of the infield. I was like, oh, yeah, like a little third base or something. He goes, yeah, tomorrow night's opening night. I think I'm going to have you start at short. And I said, I looked at him. I said, what? And he's like, yeah, you could play shortstop. And I was like, I was like, Skip, I haven't played a game at shortstop since I was 16. I'm 24. And he's like, ah, you'll pick it up. Just take some GBs tonight before the game tomorrow. <laughs> Welcome to Europe. So Welcome to Europe. And so all of a sudden it was like, I went back to high school. Cause it's like, I play shortstop on Friday. I catch Saturday, play shortstop on Sunday. And I close out one or two of the games as well. And then I'm hitting in the three hole. And it was just like, Hell I yeah. started having fun. Cause I hit yeah. I mean, catching this. Let's be honest. Catching fucking sucks. That was, <laughs> it's miserable. I mean, there's cool parts about it, but like for the most part, it sucks. Then all of a sudden I'm out there to shortstop. Like, I'm like, this is a dream. I'm still. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Fortunately, Cosgrove didn't get to go to Finkston Ball. But maybe yeah. we'll start there maybe with Rami. And maybe you could tell us about that experience. And then maybe you guys can, we can dive into um, some of the shenanigans you got into down in Montpellier. Yeah, my summer of 2019, first summer in Europe was unreal. Like, couldn't have been better. I met 
Daniel Catalan and Aiden in Australia. They were playing for Rockingham Rams. Yep. And they'd been doing overseas for like three or four years by then. So they were vets, like seasoned vets, knew everything about it. And I don't think I was signed to my German team yet, or maybe I was about to sign with them when I met them. Um, So they gave me a little rundown about the German Bundesliga, how each European country and league is different tier of uh, talent. So they said, yeah, "Yeah, German league will be good for you. It's pretty competitive. Um, Got to Europe with in March. And then Burns, you mentioned this a little bit. Uh, the team I was on was brand new to the first division. Yeah, because they were in the second league and they had just promoted. And then I heard that you signed with them, and I'm like, "All right, you're coming from Clemson. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is gonna be a little bit different." Because I mean, the German Bundesliga is good. The North division is considered a little bit weaker than the South. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, like with your background, I feel like you definitely could have gotten into, you know, the Czech Extra Liga, like maybe gotten some looks by like the Dutch Major League or Italy. But I mean, it's still a good first step. But yeah, how, how was that transition going into wrestling? Yeah, I I don't know if I talked to too many people about uh, what it's like for those new clubs playing for their first season in the first division. And looking asked, back, that's, maybe that's I, what we're here for. Yeah. Um, but I think I was talking to you, Jim, for a little bit, and you said it might be a little different, you know, uh, the teams that get relegated up to the first division, sometimes they don't stick around for more than one or two years. So you might lose a lot. And I think for some reason, I just want to go play in Germany. Thought it was like going to be pretty competitive, which it was like, that was gonna be pretty competitive in a cool area. Um, and I think maybe I was just getting nervous that I wasn't going to get picked up by a team. Even though I signed relatively early, I think it was in January. So like, there's still a lot of time for teams to uh, reach out. But I think I just saw the opportunity. It was decent location. It was super close to Amsterdam, close to Paris, yep. Brussels, the whole nine yards. So I thought, you know, it's great location-wise. Going to be doing a lot of traveling. Um, so got there in March. Uh, we got absolutely boat raced. First two games, opening day, and like going into the game, the guys on the team were like. I think we got a chance to win. Like, Pat, you know, Pat, Paderborn's good, but if we play well, we got a chance to win. So I'm like, sweet. Like, we got an import arm who's pretty good on the mound, Sammy Springer. Yeah. And I'd only practiced once right with there. the team before. And went out there. I mean, it was a football score. We didn't, but we didn't put up a field goal. We like scored on a couple errors or something like that. And that was a shock because. I had heard that the German league is pretty competitive and what it is, is like the teams at the top are very competitive. Yeah. Uh, yeah like Bonn, South Paderborn, like even Hamburg now, like they're those three in the North are pretty solid. But then when you get down to the bottom half of the league, it's, it's a little bit more tough. Yeah. And so after that first weekend, I thought, all right, what, like, what have I got myself into, but still like good living situation guys and team are nice enough. Um, and then the next week we played, what was actually the worst team in the league and we beat them. So we're 500 after two weeks. I'm thinking, okay, maybe if this is how it goes, like, you know, we can make something work. And then we probably went on like a 20 game losing, not 20 games, but we went on like a 10 game losing skid. And we only had two imports at the time when you could have used three. And so I'm telling them about 
McLean Cosgrove. So I was telling my team about McLean because he had just got released from Indy Ball and he wanted to come out to Europe. And I said, "Hey, this guy put up numbers in Division One. He can play a little catcher. He can play outfield. He can swing it, which is what we need. We got one guy in the lineup that can swing it, and it's me. That's not saying much. Like truly, the team just we couldn't hit. Um, and they didn't love that idea." Uh, I tried to help out at practice too, doing some drills and practice techniques we did at Clemson. They didn't love it. And from then out, I was pretty checked out. Like, you know, I, I hate saying it, but I was like, I offered to help. I offered to bring them a, an import. Um, and we were just getting our cocks stomped every game. So that was never fun. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll just be fully transparent in this podcast interview. Oh yeah. There was a point. There was a point when I thought they were going to send me home because I, I was very like laid back the whole time, and I've never been chippy with a coach or anything like that. But uh, the Germans are a little different breed of cat than the Americans and, the, and Australians, and they just didn't like my attitude. How I was trying to get my friend to come in and play, um, and I was never trying to take over the team with helping and coaching. I was just like, I probably know a little bit more than you guys do just because I grew up around the game, not because I'm some God or anything like that. And so relationship wasn't great, which happens like never, there's never going to be a perfect scenario. Well, there, there can be, but it's tough to find with overseas. Yeah. Um, so there was a time when I thought they were just going to send me home. And so I'm relaying this info to Daniel and Aiden and when they're playing in Poland yeah. and they say, well, how about if we fly you out? you got to get six games in for you to be eligible for the postseason. Your season ends early. Our season goes late. So if we can sneak you into Poland for six games, you can be eligible for the postseason in case they do send you home. So while I was playing in Germany, I bust out or trained out to Poland to play and be eligible just in case they cut ties with me. And it never happened. Um, Season ends, we go to our relegation and all that stuff. And they were offering <laughs> to pay one import and not me to stay. And so I ended up just going to Poland and not great. Like the relationship definitely fractured with the club. And it just like it happens. It's no bad blood or anything. But in between all of that shitty baseball experience, we did so much traveling, like met up with all those guys in Pamplona. Me, Evan Brizantine, Aiden, Dan, Tanner Donalds, Phil Acosta, uh, and we did running the Bulls for three days. It was insane. Uh, did Prague Baseball Week, did Fingston Ball, and then did a lot of like solo traveling on my own. So definitely made the most of it for like what unfortunately happens sometimes. It's just not like a great import situation. Um, but I never let that like stop me from my experience. Like even though the baseball wasn't a great experience, the traveling and all that was was unreal. Gotta make the most of it. That's what the whole thing's about. So, um, yeah, yeah. And there's every year there's these those situations, and we get in the middle of it, and that's the not so fun part of what we do. But yeah, exactly. Um, I know. I reached out to you, and I was like, "What do I do? They're not paying for my flight home." Yeah. And I like went over the contract, and I followed the rules of the contract. They just said you got to show up and practice with the team, which I did. I played in all the games. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I got, I got burned on the back end. I had to pay for my flight home, but yeah, 
it um, is what it is. As Cosmo and I would say, is, you got to charge. Main thing is finding the right fit before you go out. Because, I mean, the, that opportunity probably wasn't the best fit for you at that stage. Yeah, you know I mean, like you know, like Montpellier, or you know, like there's like other teams throughout Europe. Like even if you were like Bond Capitals, Paderborn, like or one of the teams in the Czech Extra League, you probably would have gone there and you would have had a good time because you would have been playing some competitive ball and winning some games and probably would have been a little bit different experience. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, it's always tough when the team's not playing well, like no matter what the situation is, if you're not winning ball games, like it, it can be tough. Well, let's, yeah. let's go to the positive part then we'll go to Cosgrove cause he's been kind of listening for the most part. Um, yeah. How was Montpellier? Montpellier, uh, man, it was sweet. Um, yeah, we showed, so like I said, uh, I was in Prague and then was able to get out of the contract right as Patty, you went out there like a month before you were, I was there, you were in Montpellier, correct? Yeah. Early June. I got out there. Okay. And then, yeah, I was in Prague until Prague baseball week. So I just, I mean, it was at the, you know, Eagles stadium where I was playing. So I stayed there, played Prague baseball week, uh, and then flew out after Prague baseball week to Montpellier back with Patrick. So we kind of went back together. He came out to Prague for the week, for the week and then I flew back. Um, and we got there and it was sick situation. Well, the living situation wasn't quite ideal. Um, we showed up to Montpellier and I mean, again, like you were saying, club was sick. They were good. Uh, city's unbelievable. Good spot for travel. Um, they were trying to save money that year. I think it was kind of is, you know, they were half COVID, half not. We didn't know if the season was going to happen. So they were a little bit down money. So Patty and I got real close real fast when we found out that we were sharing a living room. So Patty had the pull out couch. And then I had a twin bed on the ground in the corner of the living room. <laughs> oh, so uh, not even so, a bedroom. Well, you didn't even get to share a bed. No, uh, we had the couch. Patty had to put his uh, pull-out couch back to a normal couch during the day, so so oh. we could sit there and watch TV. No, we had another because they're farting on his bed like during the day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then because we had um, Owen Ozanich uh, was. He's not an import. He's the French guy, but he was, it was his apartment essentially. Uh, so he had, it was a one bedroom apartment. He had the bedroom and then Patty and I had the living room. <laughs> so yeah, we were out there. We got some, oh, we got wow. some stories about that too, but it was good. Um, like we had a blast. Our team was, our team, honestly, when we put out our best lineup and we had all our college guys there. I think you probably could have stuck us in damn near any league in Europe, including Italy and uh, maybe the Dutch league, because I mean, the lineup looked like we had a, we had a college guy who was probably a division one talent. Paolo Brassier plays for the national team. He let off Patty hit two ball, two holes. So you got a Clemson guy in the two hole. I'm hitting in the three hole. Uh, and then four hole, we had Soriano who's one of the best French hitters in the last decade. Yeah. He was uh, he played minor league ball too, and then we had another guy named Mael Zahn, who was actually the best hitter on our team. Uh, yeah. He was legitimately he was I was like this guy's a better hitter than I am straight up. Um, he's a French national team guy, uh, and then we had guys even below that. We had a guy who plays on the the French softball national team, but was a pretty good hitter. Um, we had another guy named Ismail Pontiac who just committed to a division one team. I think he's going to 
Arkansas Malasello. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like who else do we have? I feel like there's one other guy that I'm Oliveras, uh, who played oh, Juco ball yeah. in Miami. Yep, and he was good. He put up numbers. He's a national team guy. And then we had the other catcher who was kind of on and off, Paolo Kovac or uh Fabian Kovac, Kovac. who he's a national team guy too. So we had we had two of the French national team catchers and me. And then Patty's out at short. We got our third baseman, who's one of the best French hitters. So like when we put out our best lineup, we were disgusting. Um, unfortunately, when we got to playoffs, all of our college guys had to leave and mm. go back home. So the lineup was a completely different lineup. And then we ran into uh, we ran into Sonart. Jimmy, you're in Sonart, aren't you? No, uh, Jake's in Sonart. I played with Sonart back in 2016. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, so we ran I'm into playing Sinar. in. I'm playing in Czech this year. That's what it is. That's what it is. You're in uh, Hiroshi. Yep. I saw the light blue jersey and my eyes went to Sonart. But uh, ah, yeah. we ran into Sonart and, you know, the French League, they don't have any uh, import rules on the mound. So yeah. you got you got Shane Priest, who will throw until his arm falls off, and Sammy Sprinkler. Sammy goes out there and will also throw his up until his arm falls off. So it's like we're playing 18-inning doubleheaders, and we're not seeing a fastball under 87. And Patty and I being the imports, I mean, these guys are throwing – I'm getting, I think Priester threw me two 3 0 sliders. Yeah, <laughs> like, big respect. Like they, yeah, because they, I mean, they just knew without the uh, college guys in our lineup, they knew that it wasn't going to quite be the same thing. So they could pitch around Patty if he's one guy to get to me. And then they're like, we don't really even have to pitch to Andy because we'll probably get the next guy. Huh? So we ended up getting beat in the playoffs. Um, while we were there, man, we, got a, we had a hell of a time. I'll tell you, we could. Got into some stuff. Um, the best part about it, honestly, was that once we got towards the end of the season, it was weird. It was like all of a sudden there was like a three week period where we just didn't have to play baseball. <laughs> and so Patty and I, Patty and I essentially ran ran off. I think we were gone for like with like with a one day stop in between to do laundry. I think we were gone for like seventeen days at one point. Or something like that. Like we went out for like seven or eight days, came back, did laundry, flew out somewhere else. And I think in that time, which trip was that, Patty? I think that was they have a, a tournament at the end of the year called the Challenge de France. So it's all the teams get together. And there was some sort of import rule for the tournament. Yeah. And oh, yeah. our club smartly was like, we need to take our arms if we're playing in a tournament. And I think they kind of knew like Kaz and I would not like to be split apart which is another reason why Montpellier is the sweetest spot ever to play. So he said, hey, unfortunately, like we're going to leave you boys at home and we're going to go play in this tournament. And I remember that. You're like, I, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I had just got back from a trip in the UK. Cosgrove had just got back from a trip to Prague. He had to go see his old baby girl in Prague. And <laughs> we meet at a pub in Montpellier and he breaks the news to me. And we're both juiced up. Not that we're not playing ball, but like, <laughs> so we get a week, we get like eight days to do what we want to do. And we immediately go to the phones and we're like, all right, where we're going. And Ryanair, 13 year old flight to Lisbon or Porto? Porto. No, uh, Porto, Porto. 13 year old flight to Porto, one way. And we're like, perfect. We'll go to Lisbon after that. Then we went to Sevilla. And we were like, let's just fly by the seat of our pants and see what happens. And so we were gone for 
five days. And then our coach was like, yeah, you don't need to come to practice Tuesday. Like, I don't think we're going to practice because they just won the tournament. Shows how good Cosgrove and I are. We didn't even play in the damn tournament. The guys won the thing. And so we turned that into two more days. And then we finally got back to France after what seemed like two weeks, kind of just roaming, just with a backpack and a dream. That's awesome. I remember following you guys on on your Instagram and it looked like a blast. You guys have sent some pretty dang good content for us too over the over the couple of years there. And uh, one of my favorites was the running the bulls where where Cromie almost got yeah. pitchforked by one of the one of the bulls <laughs> there and he runs up to the camera and he's got blood screaming down his elbow. And so I, I used that on one of the promo videos that we got. That's an all-timer. Um that was probably and the fact that I was on film was so by chance too. Daniel was just like film into film. And you just see me dodge, do my best to dodge a bull. <laughs> well, I'll rewind back and tell the story. So um, running the bulls is like a week-long party in Pamplona. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the San Fermin Festival. And so like it is a week-long party, like 24-7, people in the streets, boozing, partying. So naturally, we're doing what the locals do. And so the first day... Me and Will Namens, we didn't make it inside the arena after the run. We let the bulls pass us, and then we tried to follow them and then get in, but they shut the gates. We didn't get in. So the next day, we said, well, we got to get in today. So we're partying all night into the morning. We were a little overserved going into the morning, and we get (laughs) into the arena, and I'm kind of like in the middle dancing, doing my thing, and then one of the bulls just turns, locks eyes with me, and I'm like, oh, no, here we go. And he's coming at me. And I like, do I jump over? Do I dodge? And so I hit him with a little one-two, dive underneath. <laughs> he kind of gets me with what I'm guessing is the side of his horn because I had a really nice bruise on my rib. And so I'm running back to the boys laughing because I didn't die. And I'm like, yo, he almost got me in the back. And that's the video that Catalan has. But, but yeah, all time. Didn't, didn't tell my parents I was running until – I was on my way back to Germany. I said, oh, yeah, by the way, like ran with the bulls. Didn't want to scare you. Here's this video of your son almost dying. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I also like about is the story that got you there in the first place is it was like all you guys that met in Finkston Ball mm-hmm. kind of got together and met in Pamplona for running in the bulls. So like you guys all became super tight after that in the Finkston Ball tournament. And then all decided to meet up there. And that's part of the magic of Finkston Ball and Prague Baseball Week is like you go to these tournaments and you you make like lifelong friends there and you go and travel together. And yeah, so I think that's uh, just part of the European experience. So at least at least you got to do that while you're here as well. Yeah, the, the Pamplona trips all the time. And like you said, the story of how we met um, and how like Catalan spearheaded that. He said, hey, we're all going to Pamplona like, Let's get some guys together that all want to go. And when we had met in Finkston Ball, we really started the plan. Like We started getting that plan in action. How many guys can we get? What are we doing for Airbnb, travel, stuff like that? Um, so that's like the, almost the ultimate BBJO summer ball experience. Yeah. And then Cosgrove, you came back like uh, Patty had packed it in, but you decided to go another season in Europe. Yeah, your international experience wasn't done yet. You ended up going over to Surfer's Paradise. Yeah. So, well, first of all, yeah. So I came back the next summer again, I based, if you haven't, if you can't tell already, I've based all my teams solely off location. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Montpellier year one, year two, uh, I narrowed it down to either 
Paris, uh, split Croatia or London. Mm-hmm. Um, and then London ended up working out. So yeah, I went to London for, for six months, played for the London Mets, won a championship there, uh, had a blast. Sweet. And then from there, I was like, I want to go play in Australia. I've been wanting to play in Australia two years before that, but COVID, COVID banged that. So I uh, wanted to go out to Australia and again, did the same thing. I was like, I'm going to look up all the locations of all the teams in the league. So I sat there going through the leagues, looking up location. And I came across Surfer's Paradise. I was like, this has to be a joke. So <laughs> It's called Surfer's like, Paradise. Like, geez. Uh, yeah, and I was like, this is not real. And so I look it up, looked at the location of the field, looked at the city, and I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going. So I, uh, thankfully, Caleb Bowman, I hit him up because he actually reached out to me the year before when I was in Prague and then in France with Patty and said, hey, do you want to – he's like, my coach at Surfers asked me to find a catcher. Are you interested in coming out to Surfers? I said, yes, but that was when there probably wasn't going to be a season, but there might be in Australia. Uh, so it just never developed because they never had a season. Um, so I talked to Bowman and, you know, Bowman ends up doing other stuff, but he had already put me in touch essentially with the coaches and the the organization at surfers. So when it time to, when it came time to go back the next year, uh, I signed up right back on that train and headed out there and had the time of my life. So oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I want to, I'd love to just sit here and listen to all your stories of all the places, but I got to hear a little bit about what it was like to, to like to play baseball in London in England. Like, I, cause the competition level can't be that high. I, I, I know like the Mets and like the, the one other team there kind of dominate for the most part. Is, is that pretty yeah. much accurate description? Yeah. So okay. Yeah. So we'll start this out because I know that the London Mets are going to broadcast this for sure. Um, London Mets, great organization. The guys are awesome. It's run well. It's clean. It's organized. It's it's well done. Um, our team was very solid. We beat the shit out of everybody pretty much. Uh, we had some some real baseball players on our team. A couple of national team guys. Zach Stroman and I became real good friends. He's a national team guy. Um, so I had a blast out there, but I'm not going to lie. I was, uh, I actually hit better in the Czech Republic than I did in, in London. Uh, because I, I'm not going to lie in London. I was seeing 70, yeah, 70, 72 day in, day out. Yeah. And, and, uh, nobody, obviously like me in the lineup of a London team, they're not going to pitch to me when they don't want to, you know? So, so I really like, it was fun. It was fun because we just we dominated everybody. There's one team that just forfeited the two games because they were three hours north from Sheffield and they were like, We don't want to come down, it's too hot, and we know we're just gonna get boat race, so we're just gonna cancel the games. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was fun. I mean, and then we put together a competitive team and uh uh went over to the C E B Cup in Belgium. Um and we played really well there. I think we kind of surprised everybody. Everybody there picked us to finish last. And I think we finished, uh, we, we went to the championship game against like the number two team from the Spanish league. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and put together like a competitive game against them, like yeah. competed with them. And so it was a cool, cool experience in London. But no, the competition was, it was well below average. So I, I try to make sure everybody, because people hit me up. They're like, what did you think about London? I'm like, 
listen, it's awesome. I had the best time, but you got to know that you're seeing, you're seeing high school C team players and pitching on a, on a day in and day out basis besides our team. Yeah. And then there's, one, your team. yeah, our team's legit. Um, we have some college guys, uh, some real good guys. And then the national team players, there's one other team in the league um, that's solid or two other teams, I guess. One other team is all Latinos. So it's basically like all the Latinos from London get together and put together a team. And that's actually, they play some really good baseball. Because, um, you know, you got a bunch of Dominicans and Venezuelans that are all together playing baseball together. They love it. They're competitive. And then we also have the London Capitals who is run out of the same program as the Mets. We like share the same field and everything. Uh, they're our biggest rivals. And they have a, they have a very average team. Um but better than the rest of the league for, for sure. Um, but yeah, just in case there's any Capitals members, London Capitals members listening, don't, don't forget who daddy is. Okay. Um, just throw that one out there. Um, yeah. Great. Oh, great story about them. One day we, um, the other thing that was cool about London was if you guys remember the home run derby X thing that they put together in yeah. London. Uh, yeah. yeah. You got, yeah. Yeah, so I got involved in the uh, the early event, not the main event, the early event for their YouTube series. Got to do that, uh, which was awesome. Such a cool experience. Got paid for it. They gave us gear. Got to be on stage. Um, really, really cool experience. But it was funny because that's on a Saturday. Saturday night, all the big leaguers that were there basically were like, hey, we're all going out to this club. We're going to get a table. So we're out at the club with like Nick Swisher and Giovanni Soto. Um, and these guys were at this club having a good time, but obviously it's like we told our coaches because we have a double header against our rival, the Capitals, the next morning. And so we were like, listen, coach, we're not going to be there. It was me and Zach, uh, Zach Stroman and another guy, Jordan Edmonds, who's a national team member. We're like, listen, we're not going to be there for, for pregame just to let you know. Um, so we go out, we're out till about 4 a.m. Heavy on the piss. Uh, <laughs> wake up. Wake up the next day from downtown London. I get on the tube. Uh, I had my baseball bag, so I get off the tube, drop my bag off at the field while they're warming up. I'm still in my all-black outfit from the night before at the club and still just absolutely drunk at, at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning. And I'm like, this hangover is going to hit me real hard. They're all looking at me like, dude, you look bad. I'm like, I know, I know. I got to go home and shower. They're all looking. I know this hangover is going to hit me hard. So I pop by the store and grab a couple uh, 40, 40 ounces of Fosters and suck those down pregame. And then I get to pregame BP. And I, I wish I was exaggerating. I need you to know that I'm not exaggerating when I said I took three rounds of five and I put one ball in fair territory. I swung and missed four or five times, fouling balls off, one ball in fair territory. But again, I'm like still, I'm still drunk at this time. We're about to go play our rivals. I couldn't put a ball in a fair territory, but all of a sudden I hit this. Patty knows about the switch back here. This is the compete switch. So I flip the compete switch because it's our rivals, and I start just absolutely talking shit to this other team. Um, then I go out my first at bat. I got out. Second at bat, I hit a double, and I'm over there chirping. I'm chirping. I'm chirping. Zach comes up behind me, gets a hit. I score, and I start running past their dugout going, it's going to be a long fucking day, boys. Get ready. Long fucking day. And then as I cross, as I cross home plate, sorry about my language, mom and dad, but as I cross home plate, the catcher goes, Hey, why don't you calm down? And I said, F -f 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 
And right there, right there, <laughs> the umpire goes, Andy, you're gone. Tosses me in the second inning. So I get tossed to the second inning, but we win the first game. Uh, one for two with the double in game one. I come back out for game two, and I go five for five with four doubles. No. And no. just absolutely, absolutely torch these guys. Um, and so that's my – that's why I had to make sure that the Caps still know uh, that they're, those are my children. But uh, I did have to go – the problem was that on Wednesday nights, because we are run out of the same program, I helped coach them. I threw them BP and hit them ground balls and stuff. <laughs> So I had to issue a public apology to the team because, because I got tossed out and talked so much trash to him during the games. So while that was a wild on, experience. While you're on a roll, because we got nine minutes left, yeah, I want to send another link. Um, I want to hear about uh, uh, Surfer's Paradise and then, yeah, how it led to maybe how that even plays a role on maybe you're going to be on a, on the show there. <laughs> Yeah, surfers. So I, I got the contract down there, uh, showed up. Uh, I was there for like two days and then rolled to a place called the Burley Pavilion, which is like considered the arguably the number one bar restaurant venue in Australia, right on Burley Heads, on top of the water, right by the point. Uh, walked in there like two days in, knew that I wanted to get a job bartending because I've bartended before. So I was just there for lunch with a friend of mine. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to find a manager. So I just walked up, found a manager and I was like, hey, can I, uh, you guys looking for bartenders? They were like, have you bartended before? I was like, yeah. They were like, basically said I was hired on the spot. So I got a bartending job at, um, at the Burley Pavilion. Uh, so I played baseball a couple times a week for surfers. We had a real, real nasty team there too. Uh, bartended at the coolest venue in the world. Um, I mean, it was just, it was an incredible experience just because it was that like surfer laid back lifestyle where, I never had to wear a shirt or shoes. Went out for a surf, you know, five, six days a week. Bartended at the beach. Uh, our baseball team was good. They understood that I was there for a good time, you know, but like obviously we took the baseball seriously. So it was honestly, it's just kind of that perfect combination of, of having that good baseball team um, with a really good organization, good people there, and then them kind of letting me experience life there as well. Uh, and then, yeah, so. Uh, the the Burley Pavilion was uh, that was my that was my home essentially because if I wasn't working there I was there drinking, um, but yeah essentially the the Love Island people they they reached out to me when I first got to Australia through Instagram uh, and said apply for the show I said okay so I applied for the show and then didn't hear anything back from them and then I was like all right you know no big deal. And then probably about a month and a half ago, they sent me an email. They were like, hey, we saw that you uh, applied last year, but we had already casted for that season, but we're recasting for next season. Um, is this something you'd be interested in? I was like, you know what? Sure. Like, I'll check it out. So I went through a couple of phone calls and Zoom calls. And now I'm down to about the last, the last 20, 30 candidates, I would think, um, to go on the show. So we'll see if that happens. You know, it's obviously... The, the producers that I met are trying to sell the executive producers on why they're trying to bring an American onto Love Island, Australia. Uh, so it sounds like they, like you were probably posting stuff on social media that you're in Australia and stuff and they stumbled upon you or, or like, how did they? I think, I would think so. Um, I don't, I mean, I haven't necessarily asked that question, 
but I mean, the look, you know, everything I was posting was in Australia, my Instagram bio at the time. So Gold Coast, Australia. Uh, so I guess that's where it's come up. Um, like I was, I mean, it happened when I was in London, I got reached out to, to go on a couple of different shows. Um, same way. They just slide in my like Instagram DMS and say that they'd be interested not to actually, you know, it's not like, Oh, you're on the show. It's just more like, Hey, you seem like an interesting person apply and then we'll see if we're interested in you after that. Um, but yeah, that's how that all came about. So now I'm just kind of sitting, waiting, uh, seeing if it's going to happen or not, but it would be, it would be a little wild if, cause especially cause I'm thinking about, or I'm honestly pretty sure that I'm going to go back to surfers again next year. So it'd be a little interesting if I'm showing back up in the league playing Fridays and Sundays while on Saturday nights, I don't know what day they posted, but on Tuesday nights, Love Island's airing. And then I'm going to go. And then first at bat on Friday night, I'm going to punch you and someone's going to go, you know, say, start talking shit about the fact that I was on Love Island. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if it'll happen or not, but it's in the right direction. It would be a cool experience. Hell yeah. Love it. And I like the fact that what I was getting at, you were there playing baseball and then this has come about and this is just part of yeah. putting yourself out there and traveling the world and playing ball and things happen and one thing leads to another. And, you know, so uh, I love hearing stories of that. So we got just over four minutes. Like, do you guys have any final words for anybody listening that's considering going to play overseas? Um, especially guys yeah, I mean, that maybe have a background similar to yours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, uh, uh, you go, Kaz. All right. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> um, Go. So, so for me, the the reason why I want to do it is, I had, I done, I kind of reached my threshold baseball wise, and that was the Division One level, and then I knew I could go play overseas and still be really competitive. But I, same as Cosgrove, always wanted to travel, and I always have loved traveling, and so this opportunity. To, still play baseball while traveling in Australia, Europe, wherever you might be was, it's almost too good to be true. And you get paid doing it. Like it's the best thing ever. Um, and for me, it was just a great way to end my baseball career. Like college ball, pro ball is tough. It's cutthroat, but to go overseas to where it's a little more laid back and you're pretty much the best person on the field, like more often than not, definitely makes it a little easier but to go out that way it kind of like leaves you with a great last memory of of the game like i don't follow baseball too much anymore but i always look back on my time and like the time playing overseas was some of my best experiences with just like playing the game it's fun like what cosgrove said like a lot of these guys have full-time jobs and they come out to practice tuesday thursday and they play a double dip on a saturday and it's just because they, they love the game. And they love competing. And there's no politics with it. You're not getting paid an insane amount of money. Like, you really got to love the game to be out there on your free time. So that's kind of what it was for me. Just perfect opportunity, perfect way to uh, tie a bow on the baseball career. Oscarov, you got two and a half minutes. <laughs> two and a half minutes. No, that's fine. Um, no, I mean, it's been, it's been the best experience. Like I said, uh, I think the... You know, the best way to explain it to somebody else is I thought that I was retiring from baseball because I was sick of playing it. Um, and then baseball jobs overseas has put me in a place where now I'm thinking about extending a career for a third year 
um, just because I have so much fun doing it. Uh, like Patrick said, like I said earlier, I was just, I really wanted to travel. Uh, and then I, you know, I figured that baseball in Europe was definitely the job that I was most qualified to do. So um, it ended up working out. Uh, Patrick's become my best friends in the world now. Um, he's met so many people, uh, traveled all over. Another thing that's cool is like, not only is it just travel, um, and seeing different countries, like Patty and I knocked out like 10 countries on that summer when we traveled around. Um, but not only that, it's like when you, when you go play somewhere and you live there for a season, it's totally different experience than a three day vacation somewhere. So you really get to kind of dive into the culture a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean like Patty got to North, was that Northwest Germany in a small yeah. city so you, you know you're in you're in like a small town you're meeting people you're experiencing different things like i said i got to live in london and south france and prague and now on the coast of australia where when you're there for an extended amount of time you really start to you know experience and and live differently just because of where you are and who you're around um so yeah baseball jobs overseas has just been an incredible tool to to help you know propel me into that area where now I've had the best time of my life you know, doing it. I've had the most fun playing baseball since I was a child. So it's really, really special. That's awesome. Thanks, boys. I appreciate it, man. I, we're going to have to connect again here. Um, so keep us posted on what happens with the show. And because we got less than a minute, this thing's going to shut off. But we, I, I want to see you on that show. That's that's going to be uh, that's yeah, gonna we'll be something that we're definitely going to be putting out there. <laughs> Oh, I'll be shouting out BBJ for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Things going to blow up. Yeah. yeah. Right Thanks on. for your time, boys. Good All right, gentlemen. If anyone listening is interested in taking their career overseas, go to our website, baseballjobsoverseas.com. Right there, you'll find a feedback form. You can fill it out, and we'll get back to you and answer any questions you have and let you know what your chances are and in which leagues, which countries. Hop on a phone call with you. That's the route to go if you're looking to take your career overseas, whether it's uh, as a coach or a player. So until next time, thanks again for listening, and may the baseball gods be with you.